landscapers are up and early, so that means I'm up and early, because that means that I cannot sleep. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to the Jappy Jaws podcast. I am your hostess with the mostest, the jappiest of some, if not of them all, Lindsay Moraskin with yet another episode of, you guessed it, the Jappy Jaws podcast. What a great thirsty Thursday it is, even though we are nearing the end of the summer and things are starting to, you know be sad again because fall's around the corner. Not saying that fall's not a bad season, but there's nothing compared to summers and especially summers on Long Island. I'm biased, but it is the truth. But we are nearing the very end of summer and I am so thankful for the summer. It was such an amazing time. I enjoyed every bit of it. It was so nice to, you know, have everything kind of be open and be able to do things that we weren't able to do in the last year. So it gives me hope for the future and I just hope everybody's staying safe and that we can continue this steady momentum of being on the right track to, I guess, normalcy. Wow, we're getting like really deep very early on today. Um, Anywho, hope everybody's doing well and had a good week and is looking forward to the weekend, make sure you head on over to Instagram and follow us, aka myself, at jappyjaws, J-A-P-P-Y-J-A-W-S, as well as my personal account, at Lindsay Anya, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-Y-A-N-Y-A-A, as well as heading on over to wherever you are listening to me from, whether that is Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, wherever it may be, I'm on it all. Make sure that you are subscribed, reviewing, rating, liking, following, and pressing that notification bell so that every time I upload a brand new episode of Jaws, you are the first to hear and you are the first to know about it. Before we really jump into today's episode, I really want to tell you about the revelation I've had, and this is it. So I think I talked about it a little bit on my story. I swear my mind is a freaking fucking blur of everything the last two weeks. I feel like I've been put in such freaking overdrive like never before. Not only in my personal life and what's going on there, but also with work, with family. I feel like life is such an overdrive mode lately. For me, I've been working at home for over a year now. As much as I love being able to work from home and work in my pajamas and be able to, you know, be comfortable. I've only known my job from working from home because I started during quarantine and I've been going steady since. I've not been in the office yet. And so I definitely do think there's a difference. But let me tell you, as comfortable and as convenient as it is to be working from home, I'm losing my damn marbles. And I think part of the reason is, and this is what a lot of people have said that are also working from home still, is that it's right in front of you. It's not like, oh, I'm leaving the office and I'm going home. I have to catch a train. I have to catch a bus. I have to catch a cab. You are literally staring at the computer that you have, or you are staring at the tablet, the monitor, whatever it may be, that it almost feels like you almost have to keep on working and doing things. And I was in such overdrive the last two weeks. And I really think it's because of the fact that I had my computer right in front of me. And everything got done. I'm a hard worker, but I think that everybody has just been working immensely harder since they've been home because it is right there. I genuinely thought my brain was going to fall out of my head. My eyes were going to fall out of my head. I think I have a hernia in my back. I have no idea, but I truly felt like I was developing like 80 year old woman symptoms at 22 and a half. I am back and I'm trying to give myself a clearer mind, but it also kind of whipped me into shape because it was like, okay, Lindsay, get your shit together. Let's find more of a structure. Let's find more of a routine for you so you can balance personal work, podcasts. I need more structure in my life. And I thought I was pretty structured to begin with, but let me tell you, I was very, very wrong. 
it was nice to have this crazy two weeks of personal and work and podcast life because it is now preparing me, hopefully, for a more structured and more of a steady fall and hopefully winter. I'm super excited for today's episode. Alexa Curtis is truly my favorite and most inspiring human being. I didn't want to continue on without talking about Bachelor in Paradise because I just finished up watching both Monday and Tuesday night's episodes. And let me tell you, I love paradise. I think it is being so well done thus far. This is really going to sound really controversial because you guys know I love Tasha's season when Tasha finally came in. We all know that Bachelor Nation hasn't necessarily been doing the best of the best that it's normally done and that it has been a little disappointing. And we haven't seen Paradise in two years, I think it is. And it was so well worth the wait, not only because I think it's so much more relatable and realistic, but this is the most authentic I've ever seen bachelor or even bachelor in paradise i really don't think there is room for people to you know fake it till they make it obviously things are scripted in and the producers have a say in certain things but i truly think the cast really took reins and it's really really true or they're doing a great job at making me think it is i do have a few notes the one thing that i have noticed from this season is that all of the guys that were head over heels for Tasha have come on to paradise ivan brendan riley they have all freaking come on with such swagger and a confidence boost. For real, every single time any of them walk down that staircase onto the beach, a song with like a confidence message behind it would come on. Like when Riley came down, all I could think was, hey, turn my swag on. Like that's truly all I could think about. The way that he was very assertive and he was like, okay, I want to talk to all of you and was very upfront with his intentions and what he wanted. As much as I loved Connor and Marissa together, the vibe between Riley and her was just unreal. The sexual tension, the fact that they went to the fucking is it called the boom boom room no the fantasy suites i'm an idiot but you know what i'm saying i think it goes to show that there is something very real there do i think it'll go past this honestly no because i think it's very much more of a sexual thing i think they had a great conversation but i think when you hit the real world post the beach it's like a wake-up call I do think that Riley came down with those big meaty arms that I just wanted to bite into, really showed that he is a man and that he has all this confidence and that he's grown so much since Tasha's season. And then same thing with Mr. Brendan. I think this is why I'm so attracted to him. He is the definition of a fuckboy. Dixie D'Amelio's song, Fuckboy, would not stop playing in my head when I saw the way that he was acting with Natasha. Let's be real. He is just waiting for Piper to get there. That's why he's not really made any move with anyone. I don't think he wanted to kiss Demi in the first place. And he's taking his sweet ass time with Natasha. And I think with the conversation that he had with Demi, because Demi was like, oh, be my boyfriend, which I thought was like a little demanding and a little too upfront for literally like two seconds of knowing each other. I think that the way he approached it is exactly the type that I like. Very fuckboy, like, oh, I like you. You're a great girl, blah, blah, blah. Like everything is great with you. I just want to explore my options. A typical fuckboy response that I am very much attracted to, but you know what? That's all right. And I think that it will all make a little bit more sense once Piper walks on to the fucking beach, okay? And my last thought, I fucking hate Thomas. I don't even think he has that like bad boy persona 
persona that everybody was kind of hyping him up about. I think he's a bad guy. I think he is truly there for clout. I think he thinks that this is his gateway to create such a bigger platform for himself and have people talking about him. I mean, look exactly what I'm doing right now. His apology towards Aaron, James, and Trey was absolute baloney. I think he's trying to make himself be like a Nick Vial, but A, no one's ever going to be a Nick Vial, and B, you're a bad guy. I think he's manipulative. I think he's a liar. I think he's a shitster. And I think that considering the preface of him and Serena's date that we saw, not only was he talking shit about people, but he was just boasting about himself. Like, I feel like Serena didn't even get a chance to say, oh, like, this is about me. This is what I'm here for. I feel like he's just very egotistical and he is very gross. I do not like him. I think he is very stingy and I'm over him and I want him to leave paradise as soon as possible and I know that he ends up going on a date or doing something with Becca Kufrin and she deserves better but I guess we will have to wait and see in the next coming weeks of what truly happens with Thomas with Bachelor in Paradise I'm very curious to see how the other people in the house test the waters especially those in relationships quote-unquote I think we are in for a very good Bachelor in Paradise treat I truly do I can't say that enough Good job, Mike Fleiss. The only time I will say that to you. A few things before we get into today's episode. First things first, obviously the drinking game alert. So for those of you that do not remember or are new here, I like to implement and encourage a light drinking game, one might say, all right? So every time me or my guests mention a word, a phrase, a topic, I am encouraging you to take a shot, a sip of whatever you have around you. So don't be shy. If you're over the age of 21, go to your mom and dad's liquor cabinet or your own and pour yourself a nice glass of wine. It seems classy for today's episode. However, if you are under the age of 21, grape juice will be just fine, okay? But if you are driving, you are at work, you are working out, whatever it may be, take that coffee, water, Red Bull, and take a sip every time Alexa or I mention the word fearless. And then another quick thing. So today's episode, we really got down and dirty. We unpacked a lot of different shit. Alexa is truly a beyond inspiring human being, and I literally felt so beyond motivated and empowered by her. She has so much to offer, not only during our interview, of course, but through all of the things that she does. If you haven't followed her on social media yet, please do so. It is linked in the episode description below. I do want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. Between the 10 and 15 minute mark, we do get into talking about mental health and eating disorders. And we kind of got to relating with each other about our different struggles and how she did not let that define who she was. And instead, she was able to pick herself back up and get to do so many amazing things. And she was exposed to a lot at a very young age that most people don't even experience in a lifetime. So she truly knows what the fuck she's talking about and how she truly is the definition of started from the bottom and now we are here. Living her most unfiltered and fearless life, I will let her truly take it away. So without further ado, please welcome Alexa Curtis. So you guys know that I try to be the most authentic version of myself as much as possible. And I only like talking to people that do the exact same. And my guest today truly is the epitome and more of all of that. I am joined by the lovely Alexa Curtis. Hi, how are you? Hi, Lindsay. How are you? Thank 
Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me all the way from Austin, Texas. You guys are about to be enlightened. But before we get into like everything that you do, why don't you give everyone a little background about who you are, where you come from? Totally. So I am originally from a super small town in Eastern Connecticut called Mansfield. And I grew up with literally no money, no connections. And when I was seven, my dad was wrongfully convicted and put in prison in Rhode Island. So from age of seven to 12, I visited him there. I really don't have much other family. So I really kind of grew up as this only child. And then when I was 12, actually, the year that my dad got out of prison is the year that I started this fashion blog back in 2011. And over the past 10 years have built it out into this lifestyle platform for young adults really focusing on social media and mental health. I had a podcast that uh, helped me land a show on Radio Disney. So I moved to New York, then Boston, and then LA when I got the show and was there for about four years. And while I was at Disney, I started this college summit program. So now I heavily focus on teaming up with colleges to host these really awesome summits. I wish I knew more about this stuff when I was in college. And I feel like a common theme that I see with a lot of people that are a year or two, even more than that, post-grad is like, I wish I had that when I was in college. So what kind of got you into creating the summit and aiming it more towards those college guys and girls? Well, that's such a good question because so I didn't go to college. And the main reason I didn't go to college is I was still planning to go to college. And when I was in high school, I was just failing out miserably and I didn't get into any of the colleges I wanted. But career wise, I ended up doing really well not going to college and it just kind of started working out. And so I was getting asked to speak at different conferences and whatnot. And every time I would speak at a conference, I would really just walk away feeling like what people were being taught and especially the college age students in the audience, like it wasn't really resonating with me. You know, they're telling you it was almost like always being educated about what happens when you've already made it or when you know what your job is, like what now? And and I didn't find college students were getting those tools to actually find their dream job or like how to put together their LinkedIn properly. Mm -hmm. And so while I was at Disney, that was when I really started realizing because I was talking to so many more young people, how there really just was a need to create almost like some type of community that not only connected people, but really inspired and empowered young people to just do better and get out of their comfort zone. I want to go back to college so I could attend one of these summits, but you really don't need to be in college to attend them, correct? No, it's totally open to the public. All the college students attend for free. And I feel like when we do team up with colleges that predominantly like it is geared towards those students. So like the VIP events and stuff, we really give them kind of first come first serve. But when we went virtual, it was really easy for us to engage so many new people and people who were not in college. So now it's a really good mix. With the whole factor of it being virtual, definitely helped you more so because you got so many more people to come on. And it's not like, okay, we're going to travel to Connecticut or Philadelphia or LA and go to this school, that school, and this school. It did not matter where you were. It didn't, but it also brought a huge amount of new responsibility. Like that's why I don't consider myself an influencer versus like an entrepreneur. I don't understand really like social media. I'm frequently texting people like, what, how do I post this? Or like, how does this get like reposted? I'm like an idiot. The whole virtual side and the like coding and the back end is very intimidating for me. So I like perform, I find a lot better in person, but I feel like I've adjusted. Okay. Now having done two virtual summits to be able to continue to do it. If we do continue to go in that like virtual field. So I want to backtrack a little because you started a blog at the age of 12. You hear so many people in TV shows and just randomly like, Oh, I'm going to start a blog. Like I think of Lizzie McGuire. That's the first thing that comes to mind. You're 12 years old. You had already been through so much that not even people that are 21, 81 have been through. You were so successful at doing it. How did it all kind of come together and happen? 
Well, that's very kind of you. I don't feel like I was successful for many, many, many years, even sometimes now. You're your own biggest critic. That's the thing. Yes, you are. But also like at the end of the day, because I didn't come from anything, I was incredibly disadvantaged. Like, unfortunately, we live in a world where unless you come from money and connections, it will be way fucking harder for you to do anything. And so I was constantly almost like fighting my own battles of like, how can I compete with someone who has this in in the door or has these connections? I remember even when I was interning, I faced that a lot, even before like social media was a thing. So if you really actually go back through kind of the evolution of my career, having started this blog in fashion, and then when I started doing a bunch of different TV segments and just like writing and pitching different articles, and then I realized I didn't like fashion, and then I had an eating disorder. It was not smooth sailing, but I think anyone, when they encounter any bit of success, people only look at the now. But I always tell people like to go back through the whole thing because for so long there was just, you'll see even just like some of the things I would write, like it didn't match the other things. Now I feel like it's a lot more streamlined, but that's Mm -hmm. how I found myself. And that's how I found what I was really good at was just talking and doing a lot of different things for a long time. When you started the blog, what were your family's reactions, your friends' reactions? Were they just like, oh, okay, Alexa, like do your thing. Or were they like, oh shit, like this is really going to be something. No, not at, oh my God, I wish it was the latter. No, so I was like a bullied kid. I was not a cute kid. So I already didn't have a lot of friends. Oddly, you think that like the kid who's not cool that would start a blog would become cooler. That's a joke. I became way less cool and I was already like not cool. It really hurt me in that capacity, like friendship wise and connections wise. That being said, having started the blog and at that time, there were a few other girls who were also like teen bloggers. And I created a pretty tight circle of girls almost through the internet that became my friends that way. So there was that side of things. And then when I was a freshman in high school, actually my sophomore year is when I dropped out and went to online school, half because of the bullying and half because I was failing out. So there was that thing. And then my parents were also like very against it. I mean, I had a sister, I have a half sister who uh, had done some modeling and had gone down a really, really not ideal path. Like my parents being so, I guess in theory, normal, like my dad was in sales. My mom was a nurse, super small town. Like, it's not like I grew up in Manhattan. Yeah. We're just like, what the fuck are you doing? It's not Gossip Girl. No, it, it was nowhere near Gossip Girl. Yeah. It was like the opposite of Gossip and just the girl. So no, very against it. And I think when I got my show on Disney is when they kind of like, my dad was always more supportive, but my mom for a very long time. And I think also like I realized through being a young entrepreneur, there's just things you don't need to call your parents. Like as much as I would love to call my parents and back in the day when I had no money or I was like starving and I would call them. I mean, my mom, of course, was going to be like, what's going on? And now I'm like, I would advise anyone have someone else to call that will pick you back up from that because your parents won't always be that person. I love that you're being honest about that because I feel like so many people and I'm going to like revert it to Brittany for a second. So obviously we all know what the fuck Brittany's going through. I do not wish that on my worst enemy, like free Brittany all the way. Fuck you, Jamie Spears. You see for such a long time, like you credit parents and you credit whoever it is for such a long time. And it takes a while for you to actually use your voice and be like, listen, that's actually not the case. Like, I wish I could relate because my parents have been nothing but supportive my entire life with anything I wanted to do. But at the same time, it's like, even though they're the people that are going to tell you what you don't want to hear, or like, they're not going to understand it as much. And it's like, okay, having that backup person, your best friend, a sibling, a cousin, whatever it may be, is so much more valuable. Sometimes you need to pick and choose your battles. Exactly. And I wish that I had learned that when I was younger, but at the end of the day, unless you really do have that other person, like a really good sibling or like mentor or something, it's hard. Everyone wants to see their parents in the best light. Not that I don't have incredible parents. They weren't the like ideal, like follow your dreams, like live on the floor. (laughs) They weren't like that. So yeah. 
I made it harder, but also in the long run, I think I learned a lot more. Now that you get to like share that with other people, so many more people are going to be able to relate to that because it's like, oh shit, if Alexa can say that, I can say that. I hope so. I hope so. That's absolutely, the goal. absolutely. So you clearly have such a passion for storytelling and writing and being honest. Did you initially create the blog more as like somewhere where you could vent or where you wanted to help someone else out? Like, how did it just kind of form into what it's become? Now, when I look back, I think I really did look at it as kind of like a hobby for myself. I didn't mm-hmm. like a lot of things. I hated summer camp. I hated every class and lunch. Like I wasn't very social. So it was almost more like a lifeline for me, I think, to get through feeling so alone and like isolated and insecure. I started at 12 and then probably when I was about 16 and I um, did this article that kind of went like viral on an eating disorder that I had is I feel like the responses I was getting from people and the emails I was receiving just kind of piqued my interest of like, oh, people are listening and I am enjoying giving people my personal opinion on things. And then I would say really when I turned 18 and I got approached by this online therapy platform called Talkspace to do a panel in New York with them on social media and mental health. And then I did that. And that's when I feel like I really was like, okay, this is really in theory, my calling. And that's when I was like, I'm totally going to get out of fashion. The blog started as a life in the fashion lane. And then I moved it to be called life unfiltered with Alexa. And so I just think all of those moments really, as I was getting older, I just kind of chalked up to experience. But that being said, all of those things that went wrong or the times my parents thought I was like psychotic or you know, um, I was rejected or like, I didn't get a show or even the eating disorder. That was all me finding myself. And therefore anyone who goes through anything is going to find themselves through whatever they deal with and then really figure out what their purpose was. And so I didn't really figure out what my purpose was until I got a lot older, but I had to try all those things out. You really grew up as your blog grew up too, because you started at such a young age. And then those pivotal points of your life, like that is when you really are starting to become who you are. What is the biggest thing that you are so proud of since the beginning of the blog to where you are now? Oh my God, that's such a heavy question. Oh, we're getting deep, baby. I think I'm just most proud of being resilient. I think I am really proud that I haven't given up because I cannot even count on my hands and my toes and like any part of my body that even exists, like all of my five, 10 inch feet of myself, five feet, 10 inches. I dropped out of high school. It's not my specialty. I'm just really proud that I didn't give up and I won't give up until I I get to where I want to be. And I just think that's one of the most sacred parts about entrepreneurship is almost how much are you willing to put yourself through? Because at the end of the day, it's all on you. No one gives a fuck whether I do this tomorrow or in five days. Like, yes, if I stopped blogging or Instagramming or whatever, would people probably be disappointed because someone's following me for a reason? Yeah, but they'd find someone else. And I think just having the tenacity and obsession to keep doing it when it's all you is just a really cool thing. And so that's kind of what I show people. If you find that purpose and that passion, like on those moments where it sucks, just keep doing it because you've got like that fire inside of you. And you talked about being resilient, but people can be resilient from the moment they come out of the womb or like from one day. Did you ever have a hard time coming this unfiltered person or have you just always had this persona mentality where like, I just need to leave it all out on the table? That's a great, you have great question. Feel like, I mean, when I, so I started as a fashion blog, so it's not like, I mean, I had an incredibly traumatic experience as a kid. So it wasn't like I grew up and was like, Hey, let's talk about sex and body image and money. And like my dad being in jail, that all became the older that I got the I think the more just confidence I found in myself, that being said, you know, I moved out and did the starving artist thing when I was 17. So like mm-hmm. I was in the club, I was partying, I was seeing everyone doing blow and like witnessing all these things at 17 that kids don't find until they're in college being so young and 
seeing that and having put myself in that world, that almost gossip girl world, when I didn't grow up in it, I grew up so fast because I just realized and found out a lot about myself and the things that people try in college, I tried my like late teens. And so that confidence just became really uh, very just apparent to me as I got older because I had done it backwards. So I just think that that it really just came from just age and like experience. But no, when I started, I mean, I had no confidence. This platform gave me confidence in myself. But the most important part of, I guess, the confidence journey is just like my ability to keep going. It's not like every day I wake up and feel great because I don't. Yeah. But I feel like I can still keep doing this. Like even when I'm rejected and when it gets really hard, that's where that confidence comes from. I think where you and I can really relate to the absolute T is like I struggled in college with an eating disorder and it's always just been something like even at the end of high school, but it took me a long time to even like come to terms with like that there was something I, I don't like saying that there was something wrong, but that there was something that I needed to figure out and sort because like, I mean, nobody chooses to wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm going to have an eating disorder today because that's just not the case at all. It's like, okay, why am I in that place mentally? And when you were going through those moments and I'm sure you still have them, I do too. What is something that you look for to kind of be that light at the end of the tunnel that makes it kind of like, all right, you know what? You know, you can do better. Well, bravo and kudos to you for getting out of it because obviously we know a lot of girls and guys not get out of eating disorders and it will kill you Mm -hmm. Um, all around like huge applaud. But I think that the biggest thing that I realized is almost having the strength to like take a step back probably isn't hundred percent relatable to anyone who isn't an entrepreneur, but certainly if you're in college and a lot of the times, especially with things like eating disorders, it's a control thing, right? So like my I felt like in my teens and when I was going through this stuff was completely out of control. And so an eating disorder for me was almost like my cry for help. That being said, no one answered my cry. So I dealt with that for years and the trauma that I had as a kid, no one got me help for. And it wasn't until I feel like I really hit rock bottom when I was about 21 that I realized like no one's going to save me or I'm going to kill myself. So sometimes you have to hit rock bottom, but also sometimes you have to realize that there's certain things you can do, like taking a step back or not taking on as many classes. You might finish college a little bit later. Otherwise, what you're going to be overwhelmed and miserable and look back on your 20s. Why did I do all of this? And so I think that there's, both of those things that you really have to look for. And and depending on who the person is, have to really find that in yourself, like which works best for you. And I think with that entrepreneur mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, I think within the last year and a half, two years, the conversation about mental health has been way more open than it ever has been before. A little too late in my eyes, but I'm glad that we are making the strides that we have as a society. Do you ever get nervous talking about it still? Because like, I know when I talk about even just like to myself talking about my eating disorder struggles or like the way that I feel on a bad day, not that it's difficult, but it's like almost hard because like to say it even out loud rather than in your head when you're the only one that could hear you is just so different. Do you ever have difficulty kind of being as open as you have been? I'm going to preface this by saying, because I've been doing this for so long and I felt like I couldn't talk about anything for years. No, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that now. I just don't care. Like if someone doesn't like me or doesn't want to hear what I have to say, okay, like find someone else. There's a million other people on the internet. Being said for a long time, I didn't talk about anything. When I say I hit that rock bottom, I'm telling you like I hit it and I hit it really fucking hard. And that was because I didn't talk about anything and the trauma and like the food stuff for years. And so now I'm like, I don't ever want to hit that point again. So the more I can talk about it, I almost grow up and become more mature sure the more I do talk about it, but it takes a long time. And the biggest thing you could do is like, if you have any of that, any of those difficulties or body image stuff is go to therapy. I mean, that changed my life, but you also have to 
and willing to like commit to it. The amount of people or even my family members that'll be like, I can't believe you said that. Or like, why did you say that? Or why did you post that? What, what else do I have to lose? It's not like I have, I mean, you know, when I have a family one day, will I go and talk about my sex life? Probably not <laughs> out of like respect for my children, but yeah. right now, like, what do I have to lose? Because someone else is probably questioning the same things about themselves, but that's not common to necessarily feel so vulnerable, but also like, that's what I do for a living. I feel like when you're not your most authentic self and like, you just put it out on the table, you're an actor. You're just not being yourself. The good friend of mine, she and I were talking and we were like, is it so bad that we are such oversharers sometimes? Yes. Like I understand that in certain situations, it's better to hold back because like you want people to like want more. But at the same time, I'm like, why are we so afraid of like sharing whatever we're thinking or what's on our mind or what we go through good and bad? Like I consider myself an overshare. Are, do you consider yourself one? I'm not, I don't feel like I've ever heard that term before. Really? I guess I feel like that from what I can tell would maybe have like a negative connotation behind it. But okay. I guess my question would be like, what is it you feel like you're oversharing? Because I think like people also look at that, like when I think of I'm oversharing, right? There's many parts of my day and my dating life and my parents that I do not disclose to the internet. So sure, right. I would never go in the way that maybe like the caller daddy girl goes and like overshares about that. But also like, does anyone really know that much about her family? I would never overshare to where I was uncomfortable, like unless mm-hmm. it was like I was like sexually assaulted and I was like, everyone needs to know about this. So I think you have to find a fine line. But yes, I guess in like our line of work in the podcasting and stuff, we would be considered oversharers. I'm assuming like if you have a terrible day, you're not waking up and you're like, I have a really bad day today. Like, let me walk through a shitty day. That to me is like overshare. Maybe you do that. I don't get you as like the chick who does. I mean, like to my friends, like obviously like I'll complain, but I'll give like an instance. So like, say if like you were on a date or you were just like talking to someone new and you're just going a little too much more in depth than like a first or second date at this point in my life I'm just like even though I'm so young I'm gonna be 23 soon if no one wants me for me like sniff smell I don't want to okay, talk also to you like when oversharing on the internet is one thing oversharing in person is a totally yeah. overshare away in person like but if that's I, what I'm saying like why I, do we feel so embarrassed yeah no totally fine I mean I think of it more as like the internet if you're like sharing your day to that in a really really raw way then sure maybe there's elements of oversharing but in person no I mean you know if you're on a date or whatever and you want to tell someone something, tell them and someone will like you for you, whether regardless of what you say. I'm glad you said that because now I don't feel as terrible as talking as much as I do on dates or in any type of social given situation. Honestly, like I love attention, but I also, I know what I'm talking about. I think there's also some sort of confidence that comes from talking. Oh, totally. I really don't think like in the way that you're saying oversharing to someone is not probably the right word. It's more so just like being vulnerable. You're like authentic and you know yourself and maybe ways that other people would go on a first date and hold back, but you are so comfortable and confident to where you can say this person's going to like me for who I am. So mm-hmm. I might as well tell them or answer their questions authentically. Whereas yes, probably. I mean, I know tons of girls who would go on a first date and won't eat the burger. And that to me is he's going to like you or she's going to like you regardless of what you eat. So like, yeah, eat what you want and say what you want. That's not oversharing. That's just being authentic. I kind of want to shift gears though. So you are a woman of many talents and many interests. I feel like you've done it all. And like you said, you were exposed at a very young age. How do you keep your plate full and manage it all? Like, do you sleep? I do. I sleep. And I sleep. 
hours a night. And if I don't sleep eight hours a night, I really rarely don't sleep eight hours a night. I think sleep is amazing. Um, at this point, I'm at a point where I feel like I'm comfortable not working on days where I don't want to work. I stay in like really nine to five business hours. I have like a WeWork office. So like, I really don't answer or take phone calls. Whereas for years I was like pretty like manic. I was all over the place and like the hustle culture. And I was up at five and I would go to bed at 10. I didn't thrive, but I thought I was thriving. And it wasn't until COVID happened that I realized I was pretty miserable. But now, yeah, I I get asked this question so often. And I don't know. I mean, I put my calendar like in order of things. I have days where I have like a bunch of phone calls and I have days where I have no phone calls and the days where I don't have this, where I can kind of do the other stuff. So like kind of consulting business that I do. And that's really what pays my bills a lot of the time. And that I really like doing, which pretty much is like just telling people how to run their companies. I'm the kind of person I work until I feel like it's done. If I'm done, I won't keep going on something unless I'm hitting a deadline. I'll just focus on something else. So I feel like now because I've been doing for so long, my brain is just really clear with like what needs to get done and how long it's going to take. And then I can focus on something else. That is really motivating because sometimes I feel like I'm at that point and then I fall off and it's sometimes hard to get back on. It's hard. It's hard. And it just really comes to like experience. I mean, for like, like I said, I think that's really relatable to a lot of people is this culture we live in and that social media culture entices like sleep four hours, get up, go to the gym, work for a hundred hours a day. Like don't sleep, like don't eat, like just keep working. And it's like, that doesn't, if anything, actually, I realize you can get so much more work in such a less amount of time if you really do streamline exactly what it is you're trying to do or accomplish. I mean, I talked to a lot of young people who are like, I don't even have anything to do. And it's because I can't tell you how to fill your schedule with things if you have nothing to do. Try different things to figure out what you really want to do. You got to test the waters. Yeah, exactly. And and you might hate something and that's fine. On to the next. So even though you keep your plate full and you are constantly going and you love what you do, do you ever feel like you get burnt out ever? Yes. And I think burnout is something that you have to be really cautious of, but you also just have to know the triggers and like the warning signs. So usually when I do summits, I always kind of get burnt out towards the end of them and it's impossible not to. I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. have a team, like I'm not a fortune 500 CEO yet. So it's really three. (laughs) Yeah. Always include the yet when person, not an if. So you just have to say Mm -hmm. like when, not like if it's going to happen. So because of that, yeah, it really all relies down on me and that's an incredibly overwhelming feeling, especially for someone who's 23. So I always now try to plan like a week, really like seven days where I don't do anything or have nothing on my schedule after that, I guess in theory are like a trigger for me, that amount of work. And it sucks. It sucks. And burnout can lead to depression and really bad anxiety. So you just want to really do anything to combat that from the get-go. I appreciate that because I feel like so many people, no matter how old you are, get burnt out so easily. But I also blame it on society in a way, because it's like, there's so much pressure that we end up putting even more pressure on ourselves from the pressure that we feel from the outside world. That it's like, you can't even enjoy what you're doing sometimes. So I think taking those seven days or however long it might be after that big event or big thing that you do is so crucial for your mental health. Yeah. And I know like you're so young and college, this is kind of like the age range for that. And I think that especially in college, a lot of people get so focused on the studying and the finals. And I wish I could just tell every person to just take a step back in 10 years. The best thing I can say is like, would this really resonate in your head? Like, no, in college, they put so much pressure on you, but then it's like, you're only human. So you don't want to miss out on things because you were stuck at home studying. So it's like, what can you do to almost optimize more hours in the day where you can do less, but it's more tailored and more streamlined. So you don't need to study for 55 hours. I mean, like scientifically, I've like read things that like that doesn't even, you can get as much done. Yeah. And that's just something to keep in mind. 
you had your show on Radio Disney, Be Fearless, and then you have the Be Fearless Summit. Why Fearless? So the show on Radio Disney was called Fearless Every Day. And so basically I wrote this like blank email to like 400 producers back in like 2019 and got one reply from someone at Disney. So I had a talent manager in LA who I still had and who had found me on a TV segment that I had done when I had moved there. Kind of like, I guess the word is scouted me. And I remember I went to lunch with her one day and she was like, and this is before I signed with Disney. She was like, you know, what, what do you think like defines you? And we kind of were going through words and she was like, I feel like you're really fearless. Like, does that resonate with you? And I was like, oh my God, yeah. Yeah, that really does resonate with me. And so then I had this idea to start Fearless Fridays. So I was like, I'm going to do something every Friday that was fearless. I went surfing. I went skydiving, like everything you could think of. And so when I first approached Disney, I had said, I started this movement called Fearless Fridays. That's like very catchy. Maybe there's an idea here for like a show. And so uh, they took on the Fearless Everyday concept. And then the Be Fearless Summit, like just stemmed out of an idea. I didn't really know what else to call it. That just felt like mm-hmm. really to me. And so I feel like that just is a really great term to describe me. But initially she was the one who was like, do you feel like that resonates with you? And I was like, actually, yeah, but I didn't, it wasn't like in my vocabulary to be like, Hey, I'm fearless. Casual encounter even before Disney that we were just like going over what I felt like I resonated with. And it was that. Do you feel like you've built more on the term of being fearless? Do you feel like there's been so many different umbrellas that go under the term of fearless? Yeah. And it's so cool because like I mentioned in one of the other questions you you asked me, I mean, people only look at the success now. They don't look at that evolution, but I Mm -hmm. look back on all of the things that I've done and then I'll compare myself to other entrepreneurs in the way that like, I always am really fascinated by how people build their brand. The fact that now people associate me with that word, I think just shows you how like 10 years of work really pays off and all of those trials and errors. When you build a brand and when you are a personal brand in any capacity, you want people to look at you and know what you stand for. But for years, I was doing so many different things to pay the bills, TV segments, like random blog posts. I was constantly getting asked, like, we don't get it. Like, what do you do? And so now it just feels really like a sigh of relief that I'm like, finally, like, I don't really explain it. People are just like, she's the fearless girl. I I think that's cool. So many people, especially in their 20s, when they're coming out of college, even in college and beforehand, they're always constantly trying to build on themselves and building on their brand. And you've done that with being fearless, with doing whatever you had to do to put yourself out there. What is the best advice you could give to someone that wants to become that entrepreneur or wants to be that fearless guy or girl? I would love to be like, just get out of your comfort zone. But I think that's such a like recycled piece of advice. So I would actually ask a question and I would say, whatever it is you're trying to do, why are you trying to do it? Because if you're trying to do it to be famous or make a million dollars, you've like already failed. You're bringing no value to the world. So like, go get a Mm -hmm. new idea. And so after that question, I would say like, okay, the first step is to ask people, do they need what you have or your idea and almost to build that case study. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that idea, then I would follow up with, okay, then you need to try more things. I mean, when I started, I listed myself under the marketing category on Craigslist. I had internships. I made a profile on Upwork and Fiverr. I'm like the queen of like having a hundred different ways to bring in revenue. And so I think you have to be willing to experiment with all those things. And then you can figure out from there what you really want to do. I think another word that comes to mind when you talk about this is passion. I was talking to a bunch of different people, and this has been mentioned on the podcast a billion and one times. If you don't have a passion for something and you don't wholeheartedly feel with 
all the fiber of your being that something can go as great as it can be. Like, even though Rome wasn't built in a day, it's not going to happen overnight for some people. You are not going to succeed because having passion goes way beyond than just having this idea. Because the only way that that idea is going to come to life is if you have that passion. And I feel like you have multiple passions and that's why you are where you are now. Thanks. And I think that for any aspiring entrepreneur, the number one thing you want to be passionate about is life. You want to be able to have whatever company you're building or startup, but you also want to be passionate about the fact that there is so much that could be changed and needs to be changed. It's almost like, what can you do that will continue to make the world a better place? And that's where the purpose part comes in Mm -hmm. of where, okay, I'm passionate about something now and I'm finding my purpose to where it's going to impact other people. And I think the most successful entrepreneurs, they have a really good balance of both. They're passionate about something and they also have their purpose. And that's that's really how amazing companies are built and people don't lose sight of that when they do become to get successful. They stay very humble. Speaking of being humble, I feel like with the Be Fearless Summit and with all the mentors and connections that you have come on, do you ever feel inspired or have another idea or passion for another passion project that you want to do for yourself, not just the people that are at these summits? Yeah, sometimes I just launched this one called Mentor Match that I had had a while ago, which is basically like Tinder for mentorship. But for me, I really like, even when I have different ideas, I really only pursue ideas that I think about for a long time. And so I also know kind of when I'm losing interest in something and then I don't really focus on it because I know I'm not going to give it my all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not someone who wakes up with like 100 new ideas a day. I wake up with like 100 things I have to do a day. But I know those big ideas, like when I had the idea for the Disney show, when I had the summit program, and when I had the mentor program. And that's where like, when I have a lot of things in a day to do, I just try and make sure that I'm still really passionate about all those things, because there's still so much work to do. I'm not the kind of girl to have 100 ideas and then like put my toes in all of them. Those are like three, I mean, now trying to get another show like the mentor program and the summits that's like a full-time company right there so now I just yeah. need to focus on all of that but if I have another idea that I'm going to think about for a year then I'll proceed on to that so like that's kind of the evolution of how the ideas like ebb and flow what has been one of the biggest oh shit like I fucking did that moments for you like when the people that are done with the summit come up to you and be like I've never felt like this before blah 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 what is like the I know I'm doing something right moment for you Yeah. Well, I would say my number one, like I'm doing something right moment was I remember when I like sat and did the first meeting I had at Disney, like where we Mm -hmm. came up with the idea for the show. I mean, that was one of those moments that you like read about in the movies. I felt like I was like on a cloud. It was insane. Building in California and Burbank was so high that technically like we were on the clouds. So I like to say that like I was on a cloud at that meeting. That was one of those moments. And then, yeah, when I do those summits and the responses and stuff I get afterwards, I mean, even I got an email yesterday from someone who like just said how impactful this like mentor match program was. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, like you're just going through the motions, right? Like I don't sit and I'm like, God, I'm so great. Like this is so fucking awesome. This is my idea. And if it fails, it fails. And if people like it, they like it, but I'm doing it because I know it can impact someone. And so those moments when I get those comments or like after those summits is when I, you just feel a sense of like almost relief, like, ah, like someone felt it like you did. And then you're just kind of like on to the next. And I think that's the humbleness about like success is the people who like gloat in that and then become these narcissistic like losers mm-hmm. because they're so entitled. And it's like literally like there's no reason to be entitled about anything because there's so many things the world needs to be changed about. So just keep pursuing your passion and your purpose. Have those moments, but you don't want to let them get to your head. I'm going to ask you a controversial question because it kind of goes against being fearless. Do you ever get nervous or scared still? Yeah. Oh my God, I do. I had a call on last Friday. I actually haven't been nervous. This was for a particular TV thing in years. 
years. And that I was incredibly nervous about because I get the most nervous when I'm like out of my comfort zone, when I haven't mm-hmm. been given a lot of details about something or also when I don't know the outcome. The initial meetings at Disney, even my whole time, honestly, every day I walked in at Disney, I was nervous probably until like, <laughs> The last month of the show. And so like that call that I had on Friday, yeah, I was very nervous for, but it's like impossible to not be nervous. I mean, I don't really get nervous. Sometimes when I do college talks, I get nervous because at the end of the day, like these are people taking advice from someone who is their age and didn't go to college. So there's Mm -hmm. a sense that I feel intimidated by them. Other than that, like I don't really get nervous. That's not a bad thing though. I get nervous, honestly, like around girls. I do get nervous talking to girls, which is really odd. See, I would agree because I feel like there's some sort of stigma behind girls being so competitive or girls like trying to one up someone else. And I feel like this is a guy thing, too, because guys get very egotistical and they get very intimidated very quickly that, oh, like, what do I have to offer that they don't? But I think also people in general, doesn't matter what gender you are, what you identify as. I think people are always just so afraid of people judging them or of people saying no, because we're all afraid of that two letter word. No, that they don't like something when you're nervous or you like kind of have that butterfly in your stomach type feeling. It makes it 10 times more worth it. Yeah, it does. And those are the moments where you feel like extra fearless. Like you can kind of yeah. that. But I would certainly say that that is something that maybe in other girls I've talked to also struggle with that. I always just found it a lot easier to talk to guys than girls. Girls are more like catty their intentions are not always pure whereas guys truly are just like work out have sex (laughs) party what do you think of social media's impact on if you were growing up now if you were that 12 year old girl in 2021 and social media was a thing what do you think would have happened or what do you what are your thoughts on how social media is really just taken over? Dude, I can like being a girl in 2011 when I started this was one thing. I mean, now I I think it is detrimental. I think there's mm-hmm. 50% of me that wants to say like social media is incredible because it gave me a platform and it gives other people yeah. a form. And the other side of me is I've seen all of the negative sides of it. I can't sit here and be like, I love the internet because I don't. I think it's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And I think platform platforms like TikTok, yes, maybe can be so empowering. And there are people on there who are great, but I, I'm not conservative or anything, but like, it is not appropriate. Some of these 12 year old dances, like I would put my child in a dance class, the way that also people have become so over the course of like, even when I started my blog to now have become so almost numb to think like these platforms are there. They want you to like Facebook wants you to be happy. Instagram They just want your money to give them so much credit and like street credit. But I think the most disappointing thing for me is when I talk to young people and their ultimate goal is like, they want to be an influencer. And it's like, who do you want to influence? And they're like, I just want money and fame. That to me is like, God, how did we let this get so bad? With that being said, obviously there are influencers and celebrities that are so motivational, so inspirational. Who are some of those people that you love and that you have been diehard for? I literally follow like no one who's famous on my Instagram. Um, But that being said, I really like Reese Witherspoon. I'm more into like the entrepreneurs. I really love Sarah Blakely, like the founder of Spanx. Love Sheryl Sandberg. Huge, like obsessed with Michelle Obama. Uh, I I cry about Michelle Obama. It's terrible. 
I love her. And those are the people that I feel very inspired by. I mean, I know Ellen had like a bit of a rough patch here, but Ellen, Oprah, I mean, these are people who I really feel empowered by. I mean, there's been a few girls who have spoken at the summit who I think are really great. There's an influencer. Her name's Mick Zazon. She's like a really big body positive influencer. I think Ashley Graham is really cool. Yes. Love Charlie Kloss. So all of those people, I think they're great. And I think that they have built sustainable brands. Whereas if Instagram went away tomorrow, they would still make money. That is how you look at a successful brand is if all of this background noise, social media is like all background noise in theory, right? Mm-hmm. But away, would you still be a sustainable brand? I can say yes and they can say yes. But like my question for people who is like, if you want to be an Instagrammer and it went away tomorrow, will you be able to make money and also like fulfill the world with more than just your ass photos? For sure. And I think that is a very humbling point that you make. People forget like, okay, yeah, that girl's ass looks good. That guy's body looks nice. But like, are they happy with themselves at the end of the day? You know, that's always going to be something. I mean, there's been things like Playboy around for forever and it was magazines. I mean, like, I'm not going to tell you, I love Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Like, (laughs) Like, I like all of these things. Yeah. But I would specifically say Instagram in general, like, but that's also comes down to if you are following that person, like you find some type of inspiration or maybe you think they're really hot and like that take that for what it is right it doesn't mean when they post a photo you should feel bad about themselves because you don't know who this person is or what they're dealing with it's just a photo and instagram and influencer can mean so many different things but it's really how you are mentally and i think what you do so effortlessly because of everything what you've been through and i think it's beyond humbling is that you know exactly where you were and where you could be and you chose not to go that route. And I find that extremely, extremely motivating and empowering. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Can I ask you a really, really deep question? Yeah. Whenever I ask people this, they're like, what the fuck are you saying, Lindsay? What do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to... Like, what do you want the Fearless Summit and everything that you've worked on to mean in 50 years? And then what do you want everything that you become Alexa Curtis as to mean? I want people to walk away from anything that I do, knowing that there are those two paths anyone can go down. And you have to sometimes rewrite your story like I did. And you have to follow the path that just has meaning to it. Because I could have been that kid, like a lot of kids are whose parents are incarcerated. You know, they let that trauma define them, but I chose the other path. So I would say that's certainly one part of it. And then for me, I would say that I think I have built a brand that really utilizes authenticity and doesn't glamorize it, just kind of uses it in a way that brings attention to certain things and hopefully gets people out of their comfort zone and also inspires them to be authentic in their own journey. I would say like, I kind of want whatever I leave on this earth or anything that I do with my name attached to it, that I just want people to realize how awesome being authentic is, even if it isn't the best way to be all the time. Like I've certainly said things that were way too blunt or like didn't impact someone in the right way. It was too honest. But I just think that at the end of the day, that's all really we have is like honesty. Being open and honest and like not being afraid to use your voice. I feel like too many people, I've never really understood this. And like, I guess this is selfish of me to say is like, I never understood what it meant to be shy. I've always been very extroverted. Like I never had a problem going up to anybody 
from the moment I could talk, I should say, to how I am now. Like I've never struggled. I used to be like, well, I don't understand why people can't do that. But now as I've gotten older, I see how fear really can take someone over. What would be your advice? Because you once were that person that was kind of reserved and now you're like, hey, this is me. Create like your own identity in the way that like uh, we're all born, right? To be defined a certain way. Like I bet my parents wanted me to go to college and have a normal traditional job and be really secure. And I rewrote that for myself. So you have to sometimes look at other avenues for yourself to find your own voice. And that might mean starting a blog. That might mean like going to a painting class if you've always wanted to paint, but you've been too scared. Literally walk in with a paper bag on your head. Like it doesn't matter, but at least you showed up to the class. And I think that all of those steps truly, you find yourself more and you come out of your shell. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean everyone needs to necessarily be as exuberant and like outgoing as you and I are, but that doesn't mean that you want to be shy because you're scared of what someone thinks of you. And so that comes with confidence and finding out about yourself to where you realize that whatever someone thinks about you is really irrelevant because whatever you think about yourself is so much cooler. I love that. That was so beautiful. What is next for you? What is coming up? Anything exciting? Can you disclose anything or is it kind of like hush hush right now? Yeah. So, well, I'm super excited about this mentor program. So that just launched on Friday and that's called mentor match. And basically this is a program I created that pairs mentors with mentees and it's mm-hmm. like a vetted process. And so if you go on my website, you'll click the button that says get a mentor there. On top of that, we're supposed to have a summit with UConn in the fall. I haven't gotten a date from them yet, but that's supposed to happen. And then will believe- that be in person? Yeah. That's that will be in person. Exciting. And so that is really exciting. And then um, today I just signed something with, so I had a show on Radio Disney and then Disney actually closed down, but they were supposed to have tried to sell my show to ABC. And oh my so God. A small pilot with them um, that will be probably like coming out closer to back to school. That's like a branded content, like one pilot deal. So that's pretty cool. Um, so that is amazing. Now, yeah. I hope you know how empowering it is to hear your story and to like, watch you grow into this beautiful flower because it really has done so much. Cause look, you're getting a freaking pilot with ABC. Oh my God. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you literally can't give up. I started at 12 and 23. You literally, you just cannot take no for an answer. I want that tattooed on my forehead. I will, I will do it. My mom has said, if I get any more, she's like going to have a heart attack. She said, as long as it's not on my face, I'll okay. get my neck and you can get your head. We'll get it together. We'll go to sure. downtown New Haven. I know a tattoo shop right there, but <laughs> before I truly let you go, yeah. what is your postgraduate? I love ending my episodes like this, giving some food for thought for all of my Jappy Jaw listeners. So a quote or something that you really want everyone to take away. I would probably say live your most unfiltered and fearless life. I don't know if that's like too expected from me. And honestly, just follow your dreams. I mean, no dream is really too big to follow. And if I had ever let that rejection or those moments of weakness stop me from pursuing what I'm doing, I wouldn't be here. So let the moments of rejection, these are like three different quotes or mottos. Keep it going, baby to do more instead of stop you from continuing to pursue whatever it is you love. I love that. Well, it was so great talking with you. Tell everyone where they can follow you and watch your journey continue. Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram at Alexa underscore Curtis and the mentor program is at the fearless summit. And then my website is life unfiltered with Alexa.com. I will also make sure to link both of those. Well, all not both, all of them down below in the episode description. Make sure you guys go follow and sign up for this summit. I know a lot of you guys are in college and you're freaking out moments of what the fuck am I supposed to do? I'm telling you this will 
change your outlook and change your life. If today's episode did not motivate and inspire and empower you, then I think you need to listen to it again. (laughs) I had such a great time chatting with Alexa. I truly, truly, truly could not thank her enough for not only sharing her wisdom and being so open and honest, but for being a continuous light in all of our lives. Just showing that if you put your mind to something and you are dedicated and passionate about it, you will be able to succeed and do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like she said, No dream is too big. You are more than capable of achieving it. But Jars, that is it for today's episode. I hope you all truly enjoyed. I have very exciting announcements coming in the next few weeks, especially with Jappy Jaw's birthday around the corner. I can't believe it. We're going to be one years old. That was really obnoxious and I apologize. But you know what I'm saying? I'm so thankful for everyone and all the support and all of my guests, obviously for Alexa today, especially lots of exciting things and announcements coming in the near future. So make sure you are subscribed, reviewing, rating, like, following, and turning that notification bell on on whatever streaming platform you're listening to me from, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or Google. I'm on it all. Following me on Instagram at JappyJaws, J-A-P-P-Y-J-A-W-S, as well as my personal Instagram at LindsayAnya, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-Y-A-N-Y-A-A. That is also my TikTok and my Twitter if you dare to follow me there. Let me know what you thought of today's episode. Hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Slide into those DMs and let me know what you're thinking. Let me know who you want to hear from, what you want me to talk more about. I'll be patiently waiting for you because I love talking to you all. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and I will see you all next Thursday. Bye.